about the things we love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt hello i feel like we gotta just get this out of the way right at the beginning um scientifically a mermaid would have very white skin (laughs) they would be basically translucent and and it really took me out of the whole movie because i was just like why wouldn't she be white with red hair and a purple seashell bra yeah but she didn't and so I felt like it was a bad movie because of that. And that's my take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's respectable. It's clearly logical, um, not at all emotional, and um, based in hard science. So I yeah. support that. You know, I, I can see why that would be the thing to undo you in a film about talking um, crabs and flounders and rapping birds and <laughs> – Oh gosh. Giant uh sea monsters who are somehow biologically related. Each and every one. <laughs> yeah. The, I do have some questions on the family trees uh, as we go yeah, along here. As always. Because I'm like, huh, what's going on here, everybody? Um <sighs> I'm not sure that everybody's being honest about their lineage. Uh <laughs> But <laughs> someone yeah. seems too comfortable saying daddy for a brother of yours, but uh, teach their own. Yeah. <laughs> daddy. Daddy. Oh, daddy. Um, no, we're here to talk about Little Mermaid, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast at this point. Both of us were very, 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 very hesitant. Both uh, of us are out. I guess you are slightly less out than me, but both of us, I think, are out on the Disney live-action remakes. We're like, there's too many of them. Most of them are bad. Yeah, no, I haven't liked them. We're done. I've, I liked Cinderella, but again, we've talked about how Cinderella is kind of its own thing because it's easier to adapt and it's not necessarily a recreation of the Disney's version of Disney, of right. Cinderella. But ever since then, they've just been like Although, worse and worse. maybe Cinderella is harder to adapt because we also saw this year, I'm not Cinderella. I'm bad Cinderella, <laughs> which just got the bump off Broadway. So, you know. You're right. I haven't also, seen that one. We but can't, I have also, we can't forget the Camila Cabello a Cinderella that also came, yes. went you, okay. so there is There are bad Cinderellas um, and bad with a capital B Cinderellas. But mm-hmm. uh, my point is, I love that one. Didn't like a single other one. Like you have Mulan, which was such a disappointment. Oh, we can't even get into Mulan. Uh, Lion King, which is just another animated film done worse and uh, kind of uncanny valley. And like Beauty and the Beast, terrible singing. Uh, Aladdin, horrific like set design. Ugh. Uh, I did famously sort of like Dumbo. Wait. Which everybody forgets is a thing. That's a thing? Never happened. You're joking. You're doing a bit. We... Didn't we talk about Dumbo on this podcast? No. I never saw a live action Dumbo. Yes. Is that like a straight? No. I. Yes. There was a live action Dumbo and I liked it. Kind of. But I don't know if anybody saw it. What are you talking about? It had Colin Farrell. Oh, there's like a Hugh Jackman or something. No, that is called Greatest Showman, which is actually not. But it's like a, is it like a Colin 
There's someone big in it. Who's the main human? Yeah, Tell Colin me. Farrell. Colin Farrell. Okay. Yeah, so it's coming that. back to me. You weren't even I also, listening. you know, Jungle Book, that was one of the OGs, and I didn't mind that one. That one was okay. Oh, yeah, I didn't watch that. Wait, okay. The Dumbo came out in 2019, March 2019, directed by wow. Tim Burton. Oh, Danny DeVito and Michael Keaton were also in it. Yeah, that was struck from my memory completely. Mm. But the point is, we've never had really anything positive to say on this podcast. Obviously, you had a blind spot for Beyonce and her hand in <laughs> Lion King. But other yeah. than that, um, I think those are the only two. I think Lion King and Mulan are the only two that have come out for us to cover, and we did not like them. Um, well, there were other, like I think the Lady and the Tramp one came out. These don't um, count. The, what the, are you pulling these one from? Just these are like the Pinocchio DVD version. That one. Ah! <laughs> there were a lot you of them that we just, could have talked about, but I we didn't. I do not have any recollection. I think of technically these. Cruella counted as a lot a Disney live action, no, didn't it? That's a prequel. Did it not? Okay, not that. You know, prequel. there is Pinocchio. Also, wait, <laughs> wait. I'm looking at the list. There was a Peter Pan and Wendy that came out in oh. April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Disney Plus OG. Did anybody watch that? I heard nothing about that. It's the one where people were mad too because Tinkerbell's played by um a woman. The grownish girl, ironically. Oh, Yara Shahidi, um, yes. And yeah. Jude Law is in it, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and also I think I Captain think Hawk. they have a brown Peter Pan or like the Lost Boys are all people of color or something. So like the conservatives were once again in an uproar. Because Peter their Pan childhood was, trans, was being just so. destroyed. Um, so, yeah, there's been some bad press around – not even press. Some bad faith arguments around Little Mermaid and the casting choice to have a black mermaid. And, oh, my gosh, I'm not racist. I just don't want black people to succeed or have to see them on my screen as a main character ever that my child will have to witness and think of as uh, something worthy of distinction and celebration. Um and I wasn't excited for the movie for very different reasons, mainly that the trailers made it look bad. Um, the movie itself, the original, like Disney's Little Mermaid, is nothing, uh, not great messaging. You know, a 16-year-old falls in love with some dude she never saw and has to get him to kiss her to run away from her family forever. And so I wasn't excited, but um, there was a lot of excitement for it because, again, it's an underrepresented community, like having Haley. Having um, Halle Bailey. Haley Baldy. Halle Bailey. Halle Bailey. Star brought – I went to the theater like opening weekend obviously and it was just full – like it was like a seven – it was like an eight o'clock showing but it was full of like kids and their families and lots of little girls in costume and lots of – black girls who were so excited when she came on and there's like little girls bursting into song like they couldn't even control it and saying like oh she's so pretty like so there was a really magical social element to like watching it and having it have its moment on the big screen and you know Disney has been fumbling the rollout of a lot of these films especially a lot of the diverse films um and so it was nice to see them put their money behind this and really give it a massive rollout huge like press tour big red carpet moments and i walked away um liking it so (laughs) 
Yeah, it, they did really do an incredible marketing job with this, yes. I will say. Like, it has been every... I mean, I almost think that the Republicans have helped in some ways because yeah. all of the early press announcements, which I think, you know, would have done fine or whatever, but they do that for a lot of these movies and they don't really get that much of a hullabaloo. But, like, the same three photos, I feel like, from this movie, <laughs> I've seen 7,000 times to the point where I was watching it. I was like, oh, there's there's the one, her on the rock. Oh. Nope, there's the one where she's singing that song. It's like I flounder. Yeah, it's like I've seen this. Right. And then it was like, oh, there was the fish that we thought was flounder, but was actually just a blowfish where there were all the articles that were like, look at how ugly flounder is. And it's like, oh, that even wasn't wasn't even him. Um Yeah. yeah. Also, I yeah, so I really had no desire to see this whatsoever. The I mean, Halle Bailey is of course a Beyonce uh acolyte so i was excited for that angle um and she has a great voice and you know she's very talented so i figured that the singing sections of this would be good i guess the thing that i've struggled with with these live action remakes is like what exactly is the purpose for them Mm -hmm. and what is like a successful version because you have something like lion king which is almost like a shot-for-shot remake. (laughs) And it's like the story of Lion King is a great story. So if you're just going to remake the same exact thing and just get like a slightly different voice cast and then have the animation style look different, it's like, yes, for us who have watched it a billion times, like there is something soulless to this new version and like not quite as good. But it also... I felt like with The Lion King, it's like, well, the story is at least solid. Like, they can't really screw that up because they're not changing anything. And the original is so great. Whereas some of the other ones, like Mulan, I think they tried to adapt it and somehow managed to cut out the things that made the original movie the best and add things in that sort of didn't help. Um, So... I feel like in general, I just kind of have like disinterest in watching these. And then when I saw that this movie was like over two hours, I was Mm -hmm. like, the original wasn't that long. So like, what, like, what are we doing here that we have to make this new version so much lengthier? Um, And this, I felt like stuck very closely to the original. There are a couple of new songs and like the, characters backstories are like slightly more fleshed out in some ways but like the plot points are all pretty much exactly the same yeah it um, gives more depth rather than yeah story yeah there's more background on like um prince uh, mostly on prince eric's side i feel like with him and his like mom and their kingdom and and what they're trying to do and that kind of stuff um but yeah i i didn't hate it (laughs) i like it was a fairly enjoyable movie i thought like it we got to the end of it and i wasn't like oh my gosh what a waste of an evening but at the same time i was kind of like it was okay i think it suffered from a lot of the issues that i have with the other disney live action remakes and also just like disney movies in general these days of like the marvel and star wars things of like 
there's so much CG. Like, were any of these actors ever in the same room with each other? I don't know. <laughs> and all of it looks so cheap and crappy. I was sitting there thinking, like, this is the same studio that made Avatar. Like, they had, like, these movies, like, Avatar and The Little Mermaid were being made at the same time. How, <laughs> how are they so different? And you would have to assume that, like, The Little Mermaid, they know that this is going to be a big movie. Like, they have a big budget for it. Like, is it Avatar's budget? I don't know. But at the same time, it's like, this isn't some, you know, chintzy indie film. Like, this is a massive studio. So why can't this look better? Um, and, yeah, I... I thought that the acting was good, but I think it's hard to sort of like gauge some of that just because of the way it's shot. Like, you know that there were scenes where it was just like Halle Bailey with, with a bunch of like nodules taped to her sitting on like a green pile of foam and they're like, look around. Okay, now pretend that there's a swordfish swimming towards you. Okay, now pretend like there's music playing. Okay, now, and you know, so it's like she's doing, I think, a decent enough job, but you can just kind of tell in certain scenes, like especially I thought in the under the sea sequence where you're like, okay, like she's giving it her best, but like they are giving her nothing to work with here. And as a fairly like new actress i don't know if she's like able to kind of figure out how to do that with full effectiveness mm. um so yeah, I, like I feel like i i i agree like one the cgi in the trailers looked so bad that i was like pleasantly surprised that they cleaned it up and brightened it and i was able to see things under the water it definitely isn't like avatar levels of skill and every time every time they showed a fish. I was like, what are the rules here? Why does Sebastian get a voice? But like the rest of the under the sea creatures don't like, you know, I was like, especially during under the sea, because in the, in the animated film, all the animals are like, all the fish are singing. But in this, they make a pointed effort to just have him and Ariel sing like words. And then the other fish are just like happily dancing along. Not an issue, but more just like, I'm just curious about the world building choices because there, I struggled in the first bit of the movie because there's so much happening under the water. They're trying to like add this sort of like, I don't know, weird like multiculturalism in this like, oh, Daughters of the Seven Seas, like, and that's never really explored. I think they were supposed to have a song like the Seven Sisters and they didn't or they cut it for time or something. So they just really have like a 30 second scene and it's really not like, it's not giving much. And so it is well, sort it of like, why are we using? Cause some of like, one of them is the girl from Bridgerton. So yeah. you're like, Oh, that's like a big actress. And then it's like, she's sort of tucked away in the background of like yeah. a couple shots. And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like was this what she costume. signed up for? Yeah. I really think they did do a song and then they just cut it from the movie for whatever reason. Well, I mean, because it was like you said, 45 minutes longer than the original. Um, but that's what was like, that was a hang up for me. Is like, you're adding like context, but you're actually not like giving us anything more meaningful. Like overall, I think they made a smart choice in having 
Ariel more interested in humans at large rather than blindly falling in love with the first dude she sees and then like fawning over his statue and like being like, oh, it's like, you know, like there was just a little bit more that was like, I'm curious about humans and I don't think they can all be bad based on this one bad experience my dad had. And that becomes like a theme that carries through the end. But in the first bit, you're just like. Well, it was sort of the plot line of like how to train your dragon yeah. or Luca of like these two groups and they don't understand each other and they both think the other, or I mean, even like yeah. Romeo and Juliet or whatever, yeah. you know, it was that like plot <laughs> from the jump. Yeah. A good old classic, but it was also interesting. Like, you know, every time I see one of these live actions, I'm like, who is this for? Like, what's the audience? Because when you get into a two hour, 10 minute mark, of a movie, it doesn't feel like a kid's film anymore. And this, like all the other live actions, definitely gets darker and more serious. And there's like a lot more like kind of monologuing and like, and I'm not even talking about like, you know, like f- action scenes because the original Little Mermaid had the terrifying shark chase. It had the terrifying final battle with Ursula. And it was like scary for kids. But the weird thing about these this live action is that there was so much like, serious like adults talking like it wasn't like playful or or big like cinematic moments it was just like a lot more like musing almost and and so I was like is this are they targeting this for like (laughs) adults or have they just like done their like mathematical mad mathematical magic to be like if we do this many monologues then the adults will enjoy it and drag their kids to it and thus both parties will be happy Um, I think I think that they're like, okay, we, I think their main audience is millennials who saw these movies when they were young and now have kids who are the ages that they work for. And so they're like, we need a movie that the parents will really like because they're already invested in these characters. And then we can sort of reintroduce the kids or, you know, introduce for the first time these kids to them. Um, So I think they're like, we need enough fun scenes that like the kids can kind of be into it, but we also have to really like get it in there with the parents. Yeah. Yeah. And it like, Honestly, it started working for me once she's on land and you have like on it. I like I said on the last time I saw the clip of like kiss the girl and I thought Prince Eric looked like a total snooze. Like I was like, this guy is not that cute. He's not that charming. Like what's happening here? But in the movie, that man is oozing like chemistry, energy, charisma. He has dimples. He's got some nice hair like he. He was owning that screen, keeping his own with Hallie, and they had great chemistry. And so once it, like, became this, like, classic rom-com, you know, meet cute, like, oh, how is she going to communicate with him? Like, I really liked their scenes together, and I loved everything above water because, again, you're not as distracted by, like, the mermaid and scuttle and, you know, (laughs) Sebastian of it all. Um, And it really just becomes this sort of, cute romance where she's there and he's there and they have shared interests and it's like oh you weren't what I was looking for but like maybe there's something here now and so I like really enjoyed that middle chunk um yeah and I felt like everything with the world building there was interesting like having it be this Caribbean island that just like this black 
monarch had adopted this white, you know, lost kid to be the next prince. Like, I liked all that. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about the families for a a second (laughs) while we're here? Just because, like, I... I was like positive that there, I mean, like I have obviously seen the original, but like, I feel like these like family plot lines were not in there. Um, it was like Ariel and Ariel's dad, obviously. And then like, did Prince Eric even have parents? Not that you ever see. I think he's yeah. like an orphan or something. So, so, I, so when they're like, oh, um, when Eric's mom is like, you washed up on shore and we found you. I was like, oh, like he used to be a mermaid or he somehow like his mom is Ariel something. And I was like, maybe Ariel and him were like somehow accidentally like switched at birth. And we were going <laughs> to have, you know, like that kind of a thing. And then the mom is like, talks about the dad, but the dad, but we don't know who like the King You're was before. In some sort of HBO drama. You've been well, watching. No, but I, was, I was just like, I thought that we were going to get, some sort of reason for why the mermaids and the people on land were not um, like were sort of embattled against each other. Because they killed Ariel's mom. Right. But that had something more to do with the like who is related to okay. who. You were expecting like a prince. I mean, a Pirates of the Caribbean like twist. Like, oh, this kid washed ashore and it turns out he's deeply important to the plot of these pirates too yeah or like or like a harry potter or i I don't know (laughs) or like moses i don't know but you know how like there was like neither of the kids look like looked like they belonged to the parent that they had and so i was like okay they're from someplace else and then both of the parents are single parents so it's like what (laughs) happened to their spouses and they're all on this island with this like beef sort of between them that like keeps getting kind of hinted at but we don't get like full scenes necessarily and I was just like are we going to get some (laughs) sort of reveal and then we didn't at the end you know like like, I can or, see your point. Yeah. Or maybe like sort of Encanto or whatever, you know, where you're like the reason why or or no, I, I'm th- like maybe more like Coco where you're like the reason why they hate music is because of this. And then it's sort of like at the end you realize like, oh, like you kind of put the pieces together. That's what I thought this mm. was going to turn out to be. But then it didn't. So I was, I was I was I was playing detective the entire time for <laughs> no reason whatsoever. I was positive yeah. that like the mom was somehow Chloe Bailey's mom. And yeah. that they were, you know, that she had been stolen by the mermaids or something. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, um, cynically, they wanted a white prince, but they also wanted diversity points by having this Caribbean island. And so they just made him adopted because <laughs> you can't have a black prince. Um, I mean, he does look a lot like Prince Eric in the cartoon. Yes. So yes. I can like, like see we'll why the they cast one. him. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, it was kind of like, I mean, I guess I didn't, it didn't, I didn't flag it because it's like no Disney backstory is like that. There's always a dead parent, and it's like whatever. Um, right. I guess since it was the live action, I was just yeah, yeah. I can I was, see wanting a little bit more meat. I was looking. Um, um, and then you have Ariel's family, where 
Yeah, have you regarded him? He was giving me too much. Like I, I could have cut out most of his scenes. I felt like he was the weak link in the cast. He was like taking it too seriously, and also not giving anything new or interesting. He just also, like looks sad all the time. Also, is Ursula his sister in the original, or is that also a thing that they made up for this? No, it's it's yeah. Because I didn't remember that plot line. And I was like, this is a lot of Disney, like, evil uncle sort of yeah. situations. I'm pretty sure they're related because the sequel. Oh, I maybe they're not. The sequel. the sequel is Ursula's sister. So I guess I don't know if it's Because this aunt. is basically like Scar. Yes. But no, then- it was. And that's the other thing. Like, honestly, early on, I was very, very like I was taking notes on my phone and I was like, holy crap, like Melissa McCarthy's so bad. Why is she just monologuing in the dark, like giving so much backstory, but also not saying anything? She's like, I will get what's mine once daddy loses his. Like, it was like, OK. And like, <laughs> I don't quite know the uh, genetic makeup of that family, but there's clearly like a different biology happening between more people because none of his children looked like him and I think we just have to embrace that um and she's the only one who's half octopus like yeah. how does that work <laughs> yeah. everybody else is like an actual mermaid but she has all these tentacles yeah. I really liked Melissa McCarthy um, she grew on me but yeah I thought monologues. that she did a fun well again like early on Especially when it's all the underwater scenes. It's like yeah. all people just by themselves with CG. And yeah. I don't think that was her strong suit. I think once she sort of was able to actually interact with people. Yeah. She well, was that's a lot why better. it's weird that they didn't let the eels like be. They they weren't. Um, what's the term? Like they Talking. didn't talk. They didn't. They weren't like human-ish. What's like, the word? Sebastian. <laughs> Yeah, and so it was just like she was literally left to her own devices for most of the film, just like kind of muddling about, just stewing. And right, it was well, a waste. And you know that like when they shot that, I mean, it's not like she's crawling around. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like I think her entire being was CG for a lot of that. Yeah. So she just went to a recording studio and sort of said things and then they Daddy. pasted them on whatever they wanted. Yeah, she was giving the most energy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I did really like, though, to go back to the island portion of it. Yeah. One thing that I was sort of skeptical of going in was that, okay, she can't talk, but they're going to fall in love anyways. Like, mm-hmm. like the whole issue, thing yeah. feels a little bit it's like, mm, don't love this. It's a little shallow. Right. But then I thought that they did a really nice job with those sequence to like really build their chemistry in a way that wasn't like damsel in distressy, um, yeah. but also didn't have her talking. Yeah. yeah. I, I really and also like, wasn't like found her half naked on the beach and was like, whoa, <laughs> are you the girl of my dreams? Right. Yes. It's because he doesn't even like remember what she looks like, which I was yeah. like, also confused on that plot line, but whatever. Um, yeah. So I like that. I will say, though, that like, again, the budget for this. I don't understand why. They just couldn't, like, fly to Aruba or whatever for some of these (laughs) scenes. Because that, like, village dance scene 
looked so bad. Like <laughs> all of the costumes looked like they had been robbed out of like the colonial Williamsburg like rejects tent. That's what they're dealing with. You know, it's a small island. They have very limited trading available to them. Right. But um, like <laughs> they they didn't look like they could have been grubbier or like they just like, didn't look <laughs> realistic. They looked so like Disney. Yeah. Um like Disney, they were like the Indiana Jones show at Disney World. Like that was sort of like the set and energy that they had. And then you could tell that it was like a a studio that they'd poured some sand on the ground and tied a green screen up in the background. I was yes. like, you couldn't, you have millions of dollars and you couldn't have shot this on location somewhere no, like they needed to make sure scuttlebutt had its full <laughs> day in the sun yeah we, well we we need to get to the music at yeah no point. but i do want to talk more about um, this prince film? eric because um oh, i, oh, I like that london one thing one thing that the movie changed because i just recently rewatched the animated film with my daughter because i was curious about comparing them and obviously in that one it's like i said she's much more like whiny like moon-eyed she's like i'm 16 i'm in love with him and it's very like annoying but in this it's much more she's like driven to want to explore the culture and and doesn't believe this sort of like narrow-minded judgmental stereotyping of humans as all bad and she pushes back against her family and is like they can't all be bad like they're like this guy seems pretty nice and he's like blah 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 blah, blah. and then instead of like they try to like modernize it, right? So instead of Ursula being like, you can seduce him. You can use your hot body to seduce him. You don't need any words. You don't need oh, your yes. voice. Um, they cut that literal part of the song. But then they also added this weird feature where part of the curse, part of the contract is that she won't know what her mission is. And so she is allowed to have her own agency in the rest of the movie where instead of feeling forced to like you know, kiss this dude. She's just kind of there for the ride. She's having a good time exploring. She's like, you know, doesn't know why she's there. She can't remember why she's there, but she's happy to be there. And so while Sebastian's like running frantic, trying to pull strings around them, she's just kind of like bonding with him over this weird shared interest of like curiosity and like what different things are. And she's teaching him about things from the ocean and he's teaching her about like the stars in the sky and stuff. And so I like that they were able to have those like moments rooted in some sort of, like you were talking about, like realistic chemistry and bonding. And then like they made it cuter the way they were interacting because in the animated film, she's just like hyper focused on like, is he going to kiss me? Like, oh, we're, we're riding through this. Is it time to kiss? Whereas here you're just allowed to like watch them kind of get closer and you as the audience know what needs to happen. So there's the tension, but then there's also this romantic tension where you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be on a boat with Prince Eric, like telling him my name is written in the stars. Um, and so I think they did a really good job with that. And that is honestly what elevated the film for me. Yeah. And I did like, I was confused about all of the sort of different rules of like, okay, he was saved by her, but doesn't remember what she looks like. But then when he, but then when Ursula comes back in the other form of the body, he like gets hypnotized. But like, yeah. there was a lot of like, what exactly are the rules that the witches are applying to? But I, yeah. I thought that it worked to our favor in getting rid of some of the creepier aspects of the story. Yeah. Um, I will yeah. say she didn't get enough pretty dresses because um, that was a major Oh, yeah. Play the costumes in... were hideous. 
horrible. <laughs> Whatever. One, her hair was so bad. I thought, I mean, it was no. bad. It was bad in the CG sense because it was it's in the, the water because it was, you know, sort of like had a life of its own that felt unattached to what hair actually does in water. I was like, again, Avatar. Um, Listen, I'm not going to comment on a black woman's hair, okay? it's It looked great. She was beautiful. It was it was giving. Well, it was it was just like uh so i so i again probably should not be speaking on uh <laughs> black woman's hair but here we are <laughs> but here we are because i do remember um like this has happened several times on big brother oh okay <laughs> where cuz on big brother obviously it's like you go in and you're stuck in the house for right, 100 okay. days or whatever so you there aren't haircuts and sometimes people will like give each other haircuts in the house or whatever but and if you're a white girl you know your hair just kind of like gets a little bit longer or whatever if you're a guy you can sort of like there's clippers and whatnot but if you're a black girl it's a lot harder because you know like there's not anybody in the house who can sort of help you and also you're stuck with you know kind of whatever you had going in Uh and so sometimes by the end of the season their um weaves and stuff like are not in the best shape and so like for the back half of the season you'll just have a contestant like wearing a hat or a headband or whatever the whole time because like their hair is not sort of attached properly i guess um and (laughs) And so, like, when they had her in the hats the entire time while she was on the island, I was like, it's because this is a wonky wig, and, like, they have to, like, try to cover that up. You're like, because... this is High School Musical all over again. Right, yes. I was like, I was like, well, we're, we're getting, like, some weird, like, the styling choices here are not the most glamorous. And then I, and then, yeah, she just, like, didn't have any really, like, good gowns or... For a Disney movie, you would expect like better costumes, yeah. I think, and we didn't really get that. And yeah, I thought no, the, the fact that they, yeah, that the CG looks weren't good, and then once they sort of like put her in the, um, like, Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> hat, <laughs> yeah, when yeah. she looked like you know Balboa or whoever it was, I yeah. was also not necessarily. I know, and that she look. didn't get the like gorgeous blue sparkling gown as she waltz out of the water and the finale like i i don't like a lot of little mermaid but i remember that dress from my childhood so yeah she Um, doesn't have any like coming down the stairs kind of moments you know yeah no honestly that was part of my i guess we're jumping around because i part of my hang up i really it was like low feelings. Then it was like, wow, this is actually like very watchable. I'm very much enjoying myself. Like, yes, kiss the girl. Um, I'll even put up with a Lin-Manuel Miranda rap jump scare. Yeah. But- okay. We have to talk about the <laughs> casting and we also have to talk about the music at some point. But yeah, continue on. But then the ending kind of like fumbled the ball a bit for me because I wanted that big like rom-com payoff like I wanted that big final moment obviously in the movie it's a she waltzes out of the water she's glistening they embrace they kiss and then suddenly they're married and I knew they wouldn't do that per se because it's not really it's not really necessary to end on a marriage only um but instead they did this like weird like vignette style finale where it's like oh they beat Ursula oh King Triton realizes he needs to let her go oh 
uh, Prince Eric is sad and he's playing fetch with his dog. Oh, wait, those are her feet. Oh, wait, it's her. They kiss. Then it cuts to they're married and they're headed off to sea. But it's not over yet because now you have to have the mer people all show up and they're just like flopping around <laughs> amongst the humans who are not bothered at all by this sudden um, increase in uh, sea monsters they had yet to embrace fully. And it just like, it kind of like fizzled. Like I wanted there to be more of a big oomph, like a big finale feeling, but instead it kind of had that like Lord of the Rings, Return of the Kings situation where it just kept giving these fake endings and like adding things to it. And it was just like, okay, I guess it's over now. Like, so I wish she'd been given a big moment to kind of like assert herself. Instead, it was like the perspective from Prince Eric playing fetch with his dog. And it was kind of like just... It just kind of was weird to me. It was strange how early in the movie Ursula dying happened because <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of time and things that happened after that. And I was like, well, that is the climax. And it happened. And again, because I was looking for some sort of weird um, relative mm, sort yeah. of like Long plot line father, that had yeah. to do with the backstory of the queen and triton i thought oh maybe maybe like ursula actually isn't the big bad of this movie maybe it's like she gets defeated and then we realize that actually like you know the queen has been lying to people the whole time about the mermaids being bad and they've been good (laughs) or you know like some sort of other thing and so it just kind of like kept moving along with these various scenes and i was like is some like is there more drama here or is this the end because like we have more runtime, but that hasn't happened yet. So yeah, the yeah. ending felt oddly paced to me, and like they could have sort of wrapped it up. I did like the kind of Arya Stark like we're off on an adventure end rather than like oh we're getting married. Yeah. Um, and I thought that tied in their sort of plot lines and worked for their characters in that oh they're both like interested in new things and new places and sort of one of the reasons why they connect so much is because they're both in these small tiny constrained worlds and they want to see beyond that um and now they have the opportunity to do that together very cute so that i thought worked thematically but yes pacing wise I thought that the end could have, like, we could have trimmed a couple of the scenes. Yeah. Like, the, the scene where all of the mer people come up and <laughs> lay around, I was like, no. We and don't it was need too that. shallow of water. I was like, guys, give us some space. Like, you're all just suddenly climbing onto boats and, like, pulling yourself up on rocks, and everyone's just like, fine. <laughs> I don't know. It was just like, it was too uncanny to see the CGI with the real people, and it was just like, meh, it, it took yeah. away the magic. And the CGI was so bad. Yeah. And I just, again, King Trident, bless his heart, he's a great actor, but he was just like, he was acting like he was in, I don't know, Mother again or something. Like, I just... Yeah, the acting, I will say, let's talk about the cast and the acting. I thought that there were some people who appeared to be in different movies than other people, you know? Like, they did not exactly get the same briefs on what was happening. um, Because... Yeah, Javier Bardem was so serious as Triton. And then you had Ursula, who was really sort of like going all out. (laughs) Melissa McCarthy was doing all kinds of different things. Um, But then, like, I thought that Hallie and the 
prints were pretty like subdued in a lot of ways and a little bit more um like cheesy and then you had the voice acting which was an odd combination of people because you have Aquafina <laughs> playing Scuttle which I think sort of makes sense and then you have <laughs> David Diggs playing Sebastian which again I think sort of makes sense because both of those are like comedic people both of those people have sort of distinguished voices in the David Diggs like does different voices and Aquafina is like very obviously herself but then you have Jacob Tremblay as Flounder yeah who really isn't a comedic actor and I don't think is someone who you could really pick out his voice like if you had had me watch this and be like who is doing this like I would have had no idea that it was him. Yeah. And he sort of couldn't keep up with the other two. So then you kept having scenes that like weren't with him in it, but were with the other two, even though they were sort of like a trio. Um, yeah. Flounder was definitely forgettable and barely utilized. And yeah. um, obviously it's hard for him to be there for the human scenes because he's a fish and can't travel as easily as a crab. Um but isn't the whole point of, like, aren't there multiple scenes in the cartoon where, like, Flounder is riding in Scuttle's mouth? Or am I just, or have I just made that up? Or is I that a different that, Disney movie? I mean, that, I'm trying, I think that. Because <laughs> I feel like that's how Flounder and Sebastian, like, get around. Think is so? that they're, like, is that they scoop them up with the water and I then they're sort of, like. Finding Nemo. Okay, that also is definitely Finding Nemo. Because <laughs> in this one, I mean, first of all, in the animated film, he's a seagull, and Scuttle here is like a little, um, what's the oh, bird? Oh, yeah, not a pelican. Yeah. Yeah, okay, not so a pelican. maybe I lied. So, so how do they get around then? Are they in Well, I don't think Flounder is in. I think they honestly kept Flounder in as much as he was. Um, he might have been in the Kiss the Girl scene too. Yes, he definitely was in that. But... Um, but yeah, no, I think it's uh, what happens more is that the the like finale, like when she realizes it's Ursula tricking Prince Eric into marrying her, she swims out to the boat where they're getting married. And so there's more interaction with the flounder there and um, the different sea creatures, whereas here she runs up to the castle and only Scuttle gets there in time to help her. Gotcha. Um, But yeah, it was kind of like... Honestly, um, I forgot Aquafina was in this, um, or I never like processed that, or I didn't remember that past the like original, you know, press release that announced the cast. Um, so when Scuttle first started talking, I <laughs> full body cringe. Um, but she wasn't in it that much until uh, she got a solo musical number, which again. After leaving the theater, I like remembered that there had been word that Lin Manuel would like write new songs, but I did not remember that in the moment. Um, so the new songs were kind of like you know they're kind of like overtures, like it was just like Prince Eric feeling moody about missing some his rescuer, and uh, Ariel being excited for this new adventure and thinking Prince Eric would be excited for her too. Um, and then, <laughs> then Aquafina started singing. <laughs> rapping um and i hated every second of it yeah i had also forgotten this i feel like aquafina and lin-manuel miranda i don't know if 
I'm now trying to think if they've ever worked together before, but they both have a similar energy in that they have been in 9,000 things and like just keep popping up as like supporting cast members or in (laughs) Lin-Manuel's, you know, like songwriters on, on like big brand stuff, but like not as sort of the main thing. And so I, so all of those are now running together in my mind where you're like, was Aquafina in a Spider-Man movie? It's like, she could have been like, that would make sense that she is. But like, was she or like, did Lin-Manuel do music for Frozen? It's like, huh? <laughs> like y- he could that that would have made sense. But did he like uh, you, you? It's just like all a mush in my mind. And so, yes, I also did not remember that either of them were involved in this. I think I like Aquafina more than you like Aquafina. So I wasn't like necess- I didn't hate that she was here. Um, but then, yes, the Scuttlebutt song <laughs> was like a hard, like s- stab to the face. <laughs> Because the because the other new songs are all kind of either like meh whatever you know like the the song that Prince Eric sings like honestly you if you played it for me if you played me two songs right now and told me which one was was asked me which one it was like I wouldn't be able to pick it out for you but there was a song that um that she that Halle Bailey sang partway through that I did really like um. That I thought was good. So, like, there was some music that I that wasn't terrible. But, yeah, then we get to this weird scuttlebutt rap song with Aquafina and David Diggs. And it's very much like the Lafayette rap from Hamilton. Yeah. But then given to partially David Diggs <laughs> and partially to Aquafina. And all around this term, scuttlebutt which I guess sort of means gossip, but then also the bird's name is Scuttle. And it's like, it feels so out of place. It doesn't feel connected to the rest of the movie at all. It doesn't feel connected to the other music in the movie. It sort of like happens and then immediately leaves. And you can tell that Lynn was like, loves to write these kinds of raps. And I'm sure that if I actually like had a, lyrics chart or whatever that there would be some clever bits in there but it was startling I'm not a human. to watch I'm, you know the things humans do with penguins that like mm-hmm. dress up like penguins and they throw rice around oh yeah <laughs> yeah that was the other thing they re- he really like leaned into the what's the word again sort of energy yeah. where Aquafina would try to be describing something and then couldn't remember what it was. And then, you know, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it doesn't like, you're telling me that the person's not going to be able to remember the word wedding, but can list off 700 other things about a <laughs> wedding that like, even I don't know. It was, yeah, it was a yeah. horrible song. And I had the thought afterwards, I was like, I really sort of wish that I still worked at Buzzfeed because I could have easily done like a worst songs in Disney movies ranking and put this at the top of it. <laughs> and I feel like it would have done so well. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, I, I liked Hallie and Jonah. I think they're, they were both talented and I liked the energy they were bringing. I thought Hallie was really mesmerizing and like very, you know, um, I I liked how you called her subdued, like that sort of like sly. She has such a brightness in her eyes that I liked watching her subtleties when she couldn't talk. Um, 
And obviously, she's just a powerhouse vocally. So you do get swept into the magic very quickly when she sings part of your world. And then she has that kind of middle of the movie song um, once she's human. And um, I wish they'd honestly given her like a finale song or or something there instead of wasting <laughs> time on Scuttlebutt. Um, but I also think Scuttlebutt works for the semi-target audience, which is small children who like annoying hooks. So um, good on Lin-Manuel for that one, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt like overall I was expecting this movie to be so bad that I was pleasantly surprised. And while I had my like annoyances and the bars like on the floor comparing it to other live actions, I walked away thinking like, you know what? This is like a B grade film. It was like good. And it got a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is low sort of. That does surprise me. It feels low. In the scheme of live action remakes, yeah. I feel like those have been higher, but I think there is a lot of fatigue with that. Yeah, um, and racism. The, yeah, and racism also. Um, yeah, I I liked it more than I thought I was going to like it. I think that a lot of that just comes down to things that were sort of almost outside of, like, this movie's control. Um, like, the storyline... The songs from the original, the talent level of both Chloe Bailey or Halle Bailey and Melissa McCarthy, I think, like, sells a lot of it. But I do think that the way that they tweaked the script in the middle worked worked in their favor as well. Yeah, it was... It was fine for me. Like, yeah. when we get to the year-end rankings, I feel like this will be solidly, like, middle of the pack. Because there's... De- Although, maybe not, because this year has been really good for movies. <laughs> so, I feel like we haven't seen that much that I've hated. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I think it was a good balance of attempting something new while honoring the nostalgia that they're clearly, you know, banking on. Um I think it could have easily trimmed 30 minutes, just cutting a few monologues from the adults in the room. Um, It got a little too, like, it was weird because there was so much more buildup to the final battle. And then the final battle itself was, like, over pretty quick. And I think that's fine because, like I said, there's only so many times you have to watch a giant octopus be skewered to death by a ship and not have that traumatize you for life. (laughs) So I wasn't like asking for more gore, but this movie could have definitely been trimmed. And I think they were attempting a little too much by like making it like, like you said, there was a lot of emphasis on this battle between the sides of merman and human. And I think they still would have gotten their point across if it was just centralized on Hallie even more to be like, she's curious, she wants to go, so she's going to figure it out instead of like, making it sort of this big I don't know like uh <laughs> like dual side like family split Romeo and Juliet style drama because yeah it just ended up feeling a little bloated so to speak and again like it lost its audience in its attempt to strengthen the narrative so it was like not a kids movie but also not well scripted enough to be like interesting or thoughtful for the adults in the room um but I do think they like found some of the magic and like pulled that in for a new generation and like I said it was really 
it's really powerful to see little girls like respond to it. And I'm glad that they're responding to this version of Ariel instead of the like moon-eyed, I'm 16 and I love him and you can't tell me no, daddy. So that's yeah, good. I, it is nice that I guess that is nice in with these princesses that they're sort of reworking them in ways to make them less, uh, I don't know, sort Cringy. of problematic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's a nice addition, but all in all, a little bit odd. Yeah. I'm looking at the at the um, calendar for the upcoming Disney live action remakes, and then the next one we have is Snow White, which doesn't come out until March. So I we have like a big chunk of time, and then the next one is the Mufasa prequel that it's going to be directed by Barry Jenkins. <laughs> It comes out next July, but I'm also wondering if that is likely to happen given the writer's strike at the moment. Oh, yeah. Because if it hasn't shot already, it probably won't be shooting. I mean, I guess maybe the... the... So is it like, it's like related to the live action Lion King? I guess because it's called Mufasa (laughs) the Lion King. Because that's what we need. A good old villain backstory. It's Mufasa's origin story. Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, I love Barry Jenkins, so I'm sort of like, okay, uh, great. But then I'm also like, yeah. And then in the hopper, with no release date, we have remakes for Lilo and Stitch, Moana, Hercules, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Sword in the Stone, another <laughs> Cruella movie, it's another Aladdin movie, Bambi, Disney Robin Hood, Wiki and page. The Aristocats. <laughs> They're gonna run the Aristocats to be directed by Questlove, yeah. interestingly enough. <laughs> oh <sighs> man, I don't want to watch any of these. I know. I it's like this surprised me, but it doesn't mean I'm like gunning for the next one. So, well, I think we'll it surprises because we thought it was gonna be so 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 bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like I think this probably actually is the level that I thought it was or like that it makes sense that it would be. be. But because we hated some of the last ones so much, we went into this with low, low, low expectations and this movie was fine. And so we were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and hopefully the one thing they take is that if they're doing a musical, they have to hire, you know, musical giants because like Beauty and the Beast, terrible. And I think this just proves like having someone who can carry it is much, much better for audiences and critics alike. Yeah. Well, because then you also get the extra bump of people listening to the music afterwards. Like, is anybody going, oh, you know what you got to go listen to is Emma Watson saying something (laughs) like, no, no. (laughs) Where this and I think like the Lion King also did tap into that where the the whole Beyonce album like obviously did well. Um, And I think that that version of uh, can you feel the love tonight is good. But (sighs) well, there you have it next week. More exciting. We have into the spider verse coming out. Yes. Or across the spider verse, I guess is what the second one is called. Um, so that'll be exciting. I've already seen it, but Shelby hasn't yet. So I won't yeah. give spoilers. Okay, thank um, you. And yeah, I think we have some fun 
movies on the horizon. The new um, Mission Impossible should be on here before too long. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited for Theater Camp, which I'm sure everybody else (laughs) is hyped about. I've not heard of it. Mm. Um, It's a movie about a bunch of kids going to theater camp. Um, Very cute. Yeah, there's some good stuff. And and then, of course, we have the double feature of Oppenheimer slash Barbie just around the corner. So yeah. <laughs> can't wait. Oh, um, too bad we only have time for one. And I already said Barbie was going to be it. Shelby, you ha- you're going to have to go see Oppenheimer. <laughs> That's... Okay. It's, pa- it's, part, it's part of the, you know... I feel like I, unfortunately, am not going to be able to probably see them together because I bet I'll get invited to a press screening for at least one of them but i do really wish that i could do the like double feature like (laughs) saturday of the two of them because i think that would be mass chaos and so fun and people on twitter are talking about it all the time so (laughs) maybe you should do that shelly and report back if i have six hours to spare yeah get a sitter (laughs) okay (laughs) penny would love oppenheimer she's always talking about bombs she loves a good slew of sad white dudes talking about their made-up problems rude rude shelby (laughs) anyways my um, people are what's my culture is not your costume (laughs) that doesn't really apply here but there's something there Uh, Uh, okay well thank you everybody for listening and we will be back next week to talk about across the spider-verse if you get bored in the meantime you can just listen to scuttlebutt (laughs) see you guys later bye